What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope you are well today, no matter where you are, no matter what you're up to, no matter what's going on in your life. Whatever it is, this too shall pass. All things good and bad uh, do pass. And uh, a lot to talk about, even though we hadn't had much uh, you know, action here uh, on the field or the courts the last couple of days, as you guys know, we're... Uh, you know, Stim, I don't know if we'd say satisfied with uh, men's basketball, but I think we ended on a positive note for the most part, and I think a lot of people were kind of looking forward to uh, what happens with recruiting. A lot of discussions about potential transfers. D.J. Jeffries from Memphis, a guy that Mississippi State was uh, very much involved with, chose Memphis. A lot of discussion that he may enter the transfer portal here in the next few days. We've had an update over on Gene's page. We'll have more here in the coming days. As of today, I believe that he is leaning towards entering the NCAA transfer portal. I'm told he really wants to play the three. And uh, that he is going to meet with Penny Hardaway on Thursday and just kind of discuss the lay of the land. You're going to have uh, your kind of exit interviews. You know, Memphis, of course, wins the NIT. DJ Jeffries had a nice ball game. Good friends with Cam Matthews at Mississippi State. And so those are some things that uh, we're kind of looking for. And got Garrison Brooks, you may recall Garrison Brooks signed with Mississippi State. State lets him out of his letter of intent uh, at the you know wishes of his mother, and he enrolls at North Carolina. Now he is uh, able to, uh, to kind of get out and move around, make his own decision. And Mississippi State appears to be an option if he elects to enter the transfer portal. There are a lot of players in the transfer portal right now, and there are a lot of women's basketball players in the portal. We'll get to that a little bit later, some of those from Mississippi State. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some good things that are going on, and, and that's the thing when you look at the, the young nucleus we have returning. If you can add some front court help, it certainly helps Mississippi State's, you know, probability or possibility of making the NCAA tournament next year. So Ben Howland needs some things to go right with the transfer portal. And Mississippi State did have uh, Keandre Montgomery enter the transfer portal. Might not be the last one to go. That has become a big thing these days, especially in basketball. Everybody comes in expecting to be, you know, a one-and-done or an immediate con- contributor. Just doesn't work out that way. Mississippi State also was set to play a baseball game against Mississippi Valley State on Tuesday, that game canceled due to rain in the area, and there was some rain. Probably could have got the game in if we absolutely had to. I think it was probably the right decision. And I don't know if you guys know this, but the Mississippi Valley State baseball program, one of the worst Division I baseball programs in the country. And so you play those guys, and it becomes an RPI killer. There have been 290 teams play a Division I baseball game this year. Ordinarily, there are more than that, but of course, you know the Ivy League and some other uh, schools elected to opt out this year uh, for one reason or another. But of those 290 teams, Mississippi Valley State's RPI is 287. They have an 0-9 record. And I want to kind of put this in perspective for you, okay? We talk about, you know, nothing to gain by playing these guys. So, of those nine losses, let me run these down for you because I want to make sure that you kind of fully appreciate 
you know, we probably, you know, probably got more work in actually having batting practice today rather than playing against Mississippi Valley State, all due respect to the Delta Devils. But they opened up the season with a doubleheader against Southeastern Louisiana down in Hammond. They lose game one, 26 to nothing. Game two, 23 to nothing. Then lose game three, 17 to nothing. They open up swag play against Alcorn State, play a three-game series against uh, the Braves there. They get beat 16-3, 9-1, and 14-1. So five runs scored. They postponed the Alabama A&M series. That was supposed to be played in Itabina. This past uh, couple weekends ago, they played Alabama State. They get beat 10-1, 14-0, and 8-2. So you can kind of do the math there. What's that, eight runs on the entire season? So... Mississippi State's RPI, according to Warren Nolan RPI, and that's not official, but Warren Nolan's RPI has Mississippi State at 28. So you beat Mississippi Valley State, and even though you get a win, you would drop in the RPI because, you know, quite frankly, you know, you're playing a team that you should beat, you should beat handily, and then outside of just getting, uh, you know, some guys on the field and giving them some work, there's just really no benefit in it. I mean, sure, it'd been great to get Parker Stinnett some work, and that's the thing about relievers. Relievers need to get out there and throw. And uh, over the weekend, we had some guys that didn't throw. So it had been good to kind of get some work against them. But I think in the, in the long term, when you begin to think about hosting an NCAA regional and potentially playing for a top eight national seed, you know, playing a team with an RPI near 300 uh, doesn't aid in that pursuit. So we're not going to play them. And uh, we are going to be ready to play. Uh, Kentucky on Thursday. We're going to preview that later in the show. So we won't be without baseball for very long. And some would say, well, Steve, why Thursday? Well, everybody's playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday because of Easter. So we'll go ahead and get that knocked out. Kentucky pretty hot right now, too, coming in. So we'll preview those guys and because that series will start Thursday. And then, of course, we'll get together on Friday, recap the Thursday game, and kind of look ahead to Friday and Saturday. Uh, I do expect State to win the series, but, um, you know, one of the things that uh, I thought about as I was preparing for the show, it's been a busy day for me, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I ended up going back to sleep this evening. Didn't mean to. It just kind of happens. And, and uh, got a little sick over the weekend and uh, didn't get a lot of rest. Went to bed late on uh, Monday night, woke up early Tuesday morning. And it finally kind of catches up with you. You know, I guess I'm an old guy now, and so uh, maybe I'll start taking naps. I'm about that life, I'll be honest with you. If, if, I'm, if I'm capable of taking an afternoon nap, I probably will, if that's the plan going forward. But um, yeah, I actually slept through the Mississippi State football media opportunity today. Just, you know, just wasn't expected. But, uh, you know, you, you can't argue with the body when it's time to rest, it's time to rest. And so we'll have some football content up, and uh, we'll, we'll get caught up on all that stuff here. Paul Jones, of course, Mike Nemeth. Uh, kind of sat in for us, got some good information. We'll get all that out to you here in the coming days. But one of the things about this Valley thing that kind of got me thinking again, and we'll spend a little time talking about this, you know, it's time for divisions in college baseball. You know, everybody doesn't need to be Division One in college baseball. You know, a lot of people want to be Division One. They're like, oh, we want to go to Omaha. We want to have a chance to go to a regional you know, there are some schools out there like Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Florida State, many others that are very committed to college baseball. And so they invest in college baseball. But what's happened now, and yeah, I know there's all the power five, that sort of stuff. But when you've got teams out here like Valley that are not committed to baseball, 
and I guess a few years ago, I guess they had Coach Doug Shiles up there, and they really worked hard to kind of change the culture there and kind of install some, uh, you know, some winning baseball up there. And they, they did improve as a program. But why should Mississippi State and Mississippi Valley be in the same league? And what I mean by that is it's got nothing to do with the quality of play. It's really got nothing to do with, um, you know, with anything other than resources. So Mississippi State, Mississippi Valley play in the same league, but they're not in the same league. And so when you begin to kind of break this thing down, you know, it's just like we, you know, we've got FCS football, right? So you've got Division One and Division One AA, and of course we change the labels every so often. It's because I guess we don't want anybody's feelings to get hurt. So we have the FBS and the FCS. Well, why don't we have that in college baseball? It's a little different in basketball. It doesn't require the same resources in basketball that it does in baseball. But it does. There, there is a distinct difference between those schools. And here's the deal. you got a smaller roster in basketball. And so, you know, you put together a senior-laden team, you can make a run. I mean, even if you're a team, you know, uh, you know, like Mississippi Valley State. I mean, you know, they're a team that uh, has played in tournament. I think that's right. But, uh, but my, my point being is that the chances of Mississippi Valley State or even Alcorn having an opportunity to go win an NCAA, NCAA regional is very, very slim. So why not put together another division that allows them to compete against schools that are similarly situated so they actually have something to play for? I worked with a guy several years ago by the name of Juan Guy. He was an all-state player in three sports out of Bogalusa, Louisiana. He played college baseball at Southern for Roger Cador. And Roger, a tremendous baseball coach. I mean, when he was there at Southern, they won the SWAC regularly. And uh, actually, one guy was on that Southern Jaguar team that beat Cal State Fullerton in a regional. He won versus four deal. Now, they didn't advance beyond that. But that's the highlight of their program. That is the biggest moment in their program was upstate and Cal, upsetting Cal State Fullerton. You may recall in 2014, you know, Southern was in our region and we played at Lafayette, and Southern upset ULL in the first game, which uh, kind of allowed us to say, hey, you know, we, we've got a chance to kind of lock this thing down here and uh, get ahead, and we did, and we couldn't finish the deal, which would have led to a super regional in Oxford, which has been pretty cool. But when you begin to think that's the ceiling for those programs – you know, why do we continue to have them bang their heads against the wall? Why not give them something more to play for? And at the same time, kind of free up, you know, the schools like Mississippi State and Ole Miss and others, you know, allow us to fully fund baseball, set up new divisions, give us an opportunity. This needs to happen. This is what's good for the college game. I, I am a big proponent of advancing the college game. And so when there are schools out there that basically the best they can ever hope for is to win their conference tournament, then there needs to be something changed. And I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm not one of these folks that believes you know, everybody deserves a participation trophy, but those schools are holding the rest of us back. And so let's enact some meaningful legislation in college baseball to create a division. I don't know why it's so difficult. We do it in football. Why can't we do it in baseball? Makes perfect sense to me. If they don't want to fund baseball, if they don't want to pay the volunteer assistant coach, you know, Kyle Cheeseboro has been with us for a few years now, and now now you can't even have camps to help supplement that guy's salary because that's usually who runs the baseball camps for you.
is your volunteer assistant coach. So now you don't have that opportunity. And just think about how many of those guys, too, that have a dream of being a college baseball coach, and the only way they can kind of get their foot in the door is to be the volunteer coach, and then we can't pay them. If we could pay them, we could retain a lot more of these guys in the college game. We wouldn't lose them to the minor leagues. We wouldn't lose them to major league teams. We'd be able to kind of keep them here in college. And there are some people that are just, you know, kind of, you know, tuned for college recruiting and that sort of stuff. And so we can't find the third assistant because, you know, places like, you know, in, in the MAC, you know, they, they don't – why would they want to do anything that gives us a bigger advantage? And that was some of the big discussion last year in the offseason, I give Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball a lot of credit for kind of championing the cause, is there was a – there was some legislation that was proposed. Greg Sankey was involved in some of that to give schools the ability to pay the third assistant coach. Now, you were not required to do it, but it would give you the ability to pay the coach if you had the money to do so. Well, you know, those folks out there in the MAC and the Mountain West, well, they don't want to do anything that gives – you know, the Power Five school is more of an advantage. Nobody's out there. Nobody feels sorry for the New York Yankees. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you've got teams out there that are winning and uh, people see this great cathedral that we've built here at Duty Noble Field, and you're like, so you want us to be able to let those guys spend more money? And so in many respects, those smaller conferences that are not fully committed to baseball are holding the rest of the game back. And so it just makes perfect sense to me. Let's give them a league in which they can compete and then also give the Power Five schools and anybody else that really that's really committed. I mean, you look at you know places like you know Cal State Fullerton. Well, they don't they don't play Division One football. They're committed out there in the Big West to playing college baseball. And so if they're fully committed to it, then they ought to be able to play against the schools that are. It just makes perfect sense to me. I don't know why we do it. I mean, it's like I understand why we play Mississippi Valley State. But really, why is that even an option? I mean, years ago, we used to play William Carey. Years ago, we played Delta State. And now, now you can't play them. And so it's like, let's, let's do some things that make sense. And there's a lot about college baseball that doesn't make any sense. Because let's, just, let's be honest about this, too, okay? Most of the kids that are playing college baseball, you know, they're middle-class kids. That's just the reality of it. And so nobody's really worried about that. You know, it's like, oh, well – these guys aren't being exploited. I mean, look at the privilege they've had in life. And so nobody's out there kind of pushing for that. Um, most of these guys play travel team baseball, and uh, they're pretty well financed throughout their baseball careers. And so it's not the issue that it is in some other sports. You know, I, I contend to you, and I've shared this before on the show and, and many others, you know, college baseball players shouldn't have to pay to play just because they excel at a sport outside of football or basketball. You know, women's basketball loses a fortune for everybody. Even UConn is in the red when it comes to women's basketball. Yet, those scholarships are fully funded. Now, I'm not saying we take that away. I'm just saying let's level the playing field a little bit. Let's give college baseball the opportunity to extend full scholarships. You can say, well, Steve, where's the money going to come from? Well, yeah, there's a lot of money out there. But some schools can kind of pick and choose. And I don't know, maybe if you don't just say, okay, listen, we're going to give you some discretion here, you know, uh, Mr. Athletic Director, and say, listen, if, uh, if you want to have a rifle team and you want to fully fund that, then you go do that. You know what? We don't even have a rifle team at Mississippi State. If you want to go fund the Bats team, and you can do that. 
if there are sports out there that are kind of niche sports for your your area then you should have the ability to go do that we are a baseball crazy state and we have been very blessed the last couple decades you know, Southern Miss, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss have all been very good in baseball. You know, Delta State's you know, won national championships in baseball. You know, we understand what it takes to compete in college baseball. We've had some junior college programs, I guess Hines and a couple others, that have gone and played for a national championship in JUCO baseball. And so it makes sense, that, okay, that, if, you know, we want to go fund baseball. Well, you know, we don't have a hockey team here. But you know what? There are a lot of schools up in the north that do. And so you can say, you know what? Hey, you guys don't want to fully fund baseball, but you want to fully fund hockey. We're going to give you the ability to do that because that's what matters at your school. That's a sport of importance. That's a sport that moves the needle. So let's do what we can to ensure that those student athletes get a better experience. What's wrong with that? To me, that makes perfect sense. There's just so much about this that it's just wrong. And nobody seems to care. Of course, everybody in college baseball cares, but there's not enough people out there around the country that, that are invested in college baseball. And I've said many times that when Michigan went and played for a national championship, it's one of the best things that happened to college baseball. Now, we wanted to go play too. But in order for us to kind of get some things working and to get some meaningful legislation passed, we need the Big Ten to care about baseball. And so when Michigan goes up there, and even though I think Michigan's kind of part of that whole uh, need-based aid group, when Michigan goes plays for a title, then all of a sudden it puts pressure on Michigan State. It puts pressure on Ohio State. It puts pressure on those schools to say, you know what, hey, look at what Michigan did. We need to step up to the plate. And so if college baseball becomes a bigger deal up there, then it, it helps us nationally to get legislation passed. But right now, I mean, basically it's the Big 12, the Pac-12, the SEC, and the ACC. And it's simply not enough. That's just not enough. There's not enough people out there that are saying, you know, hey, let, let's go out here and really do what we can to advance the game of college baseball. I prefer the college game to the pro, pro game nine times out of ten. MLB kind of lost me with the last uh, strike deal. I know many of you love the Braves, and listen, I don't, I don't fault you for any of that. But um, I, I'm just so I was so sick of the steroid scandal, and every time I turned around, there was some problem with the collective bargaining agreement, and you know these millionaires weren't getting enough money, the owners were getting too much money, owners didn't think they were getting enough, you know. So now they're gutting minor league baseball, which means there's less of an opportunity for college baseball players to advance their careers to the professional level. And so that probably needed to happen in some respects. Minor, ba- minor league baseball had gotten a little bit bloated. And you had a lot of guys out there that never had a chance to make the big leagues that were just kind of out there to fill out a roster. And so, you know, if I'm an owner, I only want guys in the minor league system who are going to develop and potentially one day be a part of the big league club. And so I understand that aspect of it. But I also understand that uh, when Ethan Small – gets drafted in the first round, then the first thing he has to do is write a check to pay off his student loans, that that's not fair. If Ethan Small had excelled in the game of basketball or the game of football, he wouldn't have had to have those student loans. But because he excelled in baseball and that became his ticket to college education and a chance to parlay his athletic abilities into a professional baseball opportunity, he had to pay to play. You know, as the son of a former college baseball player, I can tell you it's not cheap. I'm still paying for that. Still paying loans. You know, my, my kids may. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. 
That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovas.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Married and got a got a family of his own and doing well. And, and matter of fact, he'll have all his student loans paid off uh, here in the next year. I'm still paying that parent loan because you do what you have to to help your kids. And I would do it 10 times over. It's because I wanted him to have the opportunity to play. Now, yeah, he got a scholarship. He signed a national letter of intent. They had some financial aid for him, but it wasn't enough. It's a partial scholarship sport. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, Williams Bevis College didn't make any money on baseball. I'm sure it's a losing proposition. But be that as it may, it's not fair that just because somebody excels in a sport that's not a revenue-producing sport that we say, well, you know, okay, we're not going to give you guys full scholarships. And you would say, well, you know, Steve, let's let the market dictate that. Okay, cool. You know, so what are you doing women's basketball? They're not generating any money. It's a drain on the athletic department, but yet we're fully funding those scholarships. In Mississippi State, we actually make money on baseball. 
So why why shouldn't we have the ability to to kind of spread that money around a little bit and help some of our student athletes be able to get their college education and pay their expenses? This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm not going to rant and rave about this a whole lot, but I think it is beyond time for us to establish divisions in college baseball that are equitable, that are good for both sides, both the haves and the have-nots, to give the have-nots maybe a chance to uh, to play. I think that's better for the game too. I mean, it's like, you know, hey, we can't go win and play in Omaha, but what if we set up, you know, a college World Series for, you know, FCS schools and, hey, those guys go play in Indianapolis or something and kind of give them something else to shoot for. Because everybody knows when you're in one of those G5 conferences, I mean, the chances of you making it to Omaha are pretty slim. The chances of you winning are even slimmer. That's why we remember Coastal Carolina and people like that and Fresno State because they're the outliers. Usually it's a Power 5 school that wins it. And so, you know, maybe the Power 5 schools should have their own league and maybe the G5 schools should have their own league and – you know, that way, if we want to fully fund baseball, we can. They don't have to. They won't be required to. They don't even have to have baseball. Those are the things that just kind of keep me up sometimes, and I get real frustrated and aggravated about that. I know you guys do as well. But those are my thoughts on it, so let's kind of move forward. Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. Man, I was there twice over the weekend. Had a great time both times. It's a great atmosphere, great food, great prices, great service. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Star Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Uh, when we go, we always get spring rolls. After the ball game on Sundays, I was late getting there because I'm the last one to leave the ballpark. And I uh, get, already get there, spring rolls already on the table. I mean, that's a nice deal, right? I mean, of course, my family had beat me there. and I'm, They saved me a spring roll, thankfully. But, uh, you know, you work through that process. And I'm like, you know, the, the experience is not complete without having a spring roll. Really like that grilled chicken club sandwich. You will, too. I mean, it's really, really good. You know, sometimes people just don't get the toast right for the sandwich. They do at Bulldog Burger Company. It's fabulous. And you can get it exactly the way you want it, but I think you're going to like it as it comes. And also, uh, try the tuna burger, and then try that full of bologna. That's my next mountain to climb there at Bulldog Burger Company is the full of bologna hamburger. That's the 8-ounce patty with the, you know, bologna and a fried egg. I mean, that's an awful lot of protein. So I'm going to go check it out. You guys should, too. I've already had a couple people that said, Steve, I went and had it, and it's great. Wasn't, didn't know what to expect. I gave it a chance and uh, just kind of grabbed that burger with both hands and dug in. And that's the thing, too, man. I mean, great portions for a great price. You're going to get full there. And I had that discussion with my family over the weekend. It's like every time that we go, we bring food home. And sometimes I give it to the dogs. Sometimes I save it for lunch. But uh, I can assure you it gets eaten around here. And it will at your house, too. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk women's basketball. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of tired of talking about women's basketball. But I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about all these transfers. Now, we have had several. The latest to go in is uh, Aliyah Matharu, who was in the transfer portal. Robbie Falk and I, who has kind of been on top of all of this for us, give Robbie a lot of credit. Uh, trade some text messages yesterday with Robbie and say, hey, I've kind of heard this. And he goes, yeah, it's a real possibility. She's kind of on the fence. Uh, hadn't really been involved in team basketball activities here for uh, you know, for a week or two. And so it was not a big surprise to us. And if you're a member of Gene's page, you probably saw Robbie's post on Monday when he goes, hey, I think there's one more coming. And a lot of people worried it may be Rakia Jackson. Well, what we have heard is that she plans to stay. So Rakia Jackson is going to stay. Madison Hayes leaves. 
Yeah, there's a handful. And, and, and let me go ahead and share this with you, too. I told you guys for weeks we're going to have transfers. And that wasn't just me uh, kind of betting with house money because, I, you know, you just say, well, Steve, there's always some level of attrition. And it had been a good year. going to be people looking for another alternative. But, you know, some of these players are processed out. You know, some of these players, you know, kind of understood, you know, kind of moving forward, their opportunities here were going to be limited. And some of that's due to uh, their attitudes off the court. And so I'm not going to sit here and defend this season. I'm not going to defend Nicky McCray Pinson. But, you know, we knew there was going to be some attrition. And it's just like with men's basketball where we said, you know what, we knew it's going to be a difficult year. And even though we know that objectively going in, when it happens and you're in the moment, it's like, oh, this is awful. And it is awful. I mean, listen, you know, but here's the deal. We've lost some good players. And we've lost some people that uh, maybe weren't contributors the way they needed to be. And maybe you've lost some players, too, that can't contribute here as players. And maybe they, you're kind of playing above them. But now Nicky mccray penson has got to hit big in the portal. And so there are plenty of options to choose from in the portal. Because what happens a lot of times when you only follow your team, you're only acutely aware of the issues within your program. There are seven, over 750 women's basketball players in the NCAA transfer portal right now. 750. Let that sink in for a second. There were 336 Division I women's basketball teams this year. 336. So you can do the math there. That's basically about two per team. Do you think there are two spots per team for transfers? I mean, you already got, yeah, you got some spots on the roster open, but you went out and signed some high school players, some junior college players to fill them. There are going to be a lot of women's basketball players that enter the transfer portal. They're going to have nowhere to go, just like we see in football. That's a downside of the NCAA transfer portal. Is there a lot of people to get caught up in transfer purgatory? What are they going to do? You know, some of them, you know, that, that have not played two years will have the opportunity to go play junior college basketball and maybe reboot their career. Some will go D2. Some will go play NAIA ball. I mean, that's just kind of part of it. But there are seven, over 750 women's basketball players. So that's good for Nikki McCray Pinson. You've got plenty of room to work with, and you may have some spots available that some of your competitors don't. It was announced earlier this evening, Jemai Mingo Young going to Alabama. Yeah, I don't like that. I think Jemai Mingo Young could be a good player. For, and now we're going to contend with her in the West. Wish her the best. And I hope she loses every game to Mississippi State. Syracuse has had eight players leave their women's program and go in the NCAA transfer portal. Eight. And one of the things that we kind of, you know, we, we kind of gloss over some things too. You know, Vic, Vic Schaefer had a lot of transfers too. And he didn't lose his core group, but we had transfers every year too. I remember when Rick Stansberry was here, that became the burr in the Bulldog saddle, right? Every single year, we'd have two or three guys leave, and like, you know, why can't we have continuity on a roster? Sometimes guys left on their own. Sometimes guys were pushed. And that was before the NCAA transfer portal. That's when you had to actually go look your coach in the eye or go look your compliance director in the eye and get a release. Ben Howen has had a lot of transfers. You know, people forget last year, you know, we had a handful of guys declare, you know, pro, and then we had some others that uh, went in the portal. And so college basketball is rife with transfers. Do we have more than most? Yes, we do on the women's side. We do. Also kind of going through some of the growing pains of a coaching change. 
had a lot of people kind of reach out to me, uh, you know, I guess kind of unhappy with some of my comments about Vic Schaefer. I don't have anything negative to say about Vic Schaefer on the show. I'm also not rooting for Vic Schaefer in the University of Texas. And they got absolutely shelled by South Carolina again. I think somebody posted a stat on Gene's page that Dawn Staley is 13-3 and against Vic Schaefer in her career. I haven't verified those numbers, but I, listen, I know it's close to that. You know, they've had the better of things. And, uh, you know, Vic's a great coach, but uh, Dawn has had a way to win. Yeah, you know, it's an old rivalry there. And I saw Asia Wilson even tweet about it. You know, and listen, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad that game meant something. And I look forward to it meaning something again. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's all going to be okay next year because I don't know that. I think the locker room will probably be better. I think the off-the-court stuff will be better, and I think that will help the on-the-court stuff. But I don't know that. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it will ever be as good as it's been because I don't know that. And I don't know that I believe that. I believe we probably caught light in the bottle. Does that mean that we're not going to get back to the Sweet 16 or have a chance to advance? Uh, no, I think that's going to happen. Because I think we've built a pedigree here and we've shown coaches around the country that we can win and that our fans will support women's college basketball. So I think we've grown as a program in that respect that uh, we have definitely demonstrated to future coaching candidates that you can come here and win big and get major support. As Vic used to say all the time, this is a special deal at Mississippi State. There are a lot of great teams out there that win a lot of games that play in half-field arenas. That just wasn't the case here at Mississippi State. And there are a lot of people out there that have all these opinions. They don't have a lot of facts, but they have a lot of opinions on why Vic Schaefer left. There's not always somebody to blame. You know, we kind of major in guilt installation sometimes as Bulldog fans. Well, we got to feel we you need to feel bad about this. You know, we did this wrong. We need to do that. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned and, you know, that this was one of the things that um, there's some people, you know, that uh, Vic was very close to here in town and around the state of Mississippi that were very, very, very invested in women's basketball. And, you know, that was the thing, you know, down the stretch when Vic wouldn't sign the contract extension, they kept saying he's got, he's got a problem with the buyout. 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 Well, let me ask you this. If somebody's not looking to leave, why do they care what the buyout is? I know some people want to romanticize all this stuff, you know, because, you know, Vic kind of speaks our language. And we think, well, you know, he's one of us. And in many respects, he was and is. He's not here anymore. But if somebody's totally committed to your program, why are they objecting to the buyout? And there's some more details about that that I have that I won't share. But it's like, you know, if you want to blame somebody for Vic Schaefer not being here, blame Vic Schaefer. If Vic Schaefer wanted to be here, he'd be here. He saw another opportunity, did what he thought was best for he and his family, and I have no objection to that. I don't begrudge Vic Schaefer that. I'm very grateful to Vic for what he did when he was here. But as I did with the top ten list, for those of us that just can't seem to move on, you know, with the breakup songs, and I got a ton of reaction from that. A lot of people loved it. Some people didn't. You know, and if I hurt your feelings, you know, good. You know, so that's, if I step on your toes about this stuff, I hope it hurts. You know, I, I just don't see, you know, what we benefit for continuing to try to belabor the point of all this stuff. You know, Nikki McCray-Pinson's our coach. 
for better or for worse, she's our coach. She's going to get next year. And so why would we root for her to fail? If we really love women's basketball, and if we really love competing for championships and going to the NCAA tournament and hosting the first two rounds, why would, why would we root against her? Like I see people that say, oh, just wait till next year. It's going to be even worse. Well, you know, is that just because you want to be right? I would love to be wrong about that. I, I think we're going to be better. Because I think, number one, you've got a staff here now that uh, kind of understands what it takes to compete in this league a little bit. Because I mean, you get you get punched in the mouth over here. You know, th- this is the SEC. You're not going to be able to just out-athlete people in this league. You're going to have to be able to be good X's and O's. You're going to have to be a great recruiter. And Nikki is a great recruiter. And if you talk to people in AAU circles, I'll tell you, they do a great job recruiting. And she's going to have to. And she's going to have to do a great job recruiting that portal to get players that are ready to plug and play. You know, we're not going to be able to just go sign a bunch of developmental players and say, okay, we're building for the future. It's got to be dramatically better next year. It has to be. And I think Rakia Jackson is a very, very talented player. You know, she's got to grow up a little bit. But you probably can build a team around her. You know, and she's got to be a good teammate as well. But I don't understand why we would ever cheer against a coach at Mississippi State. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, back in 2019 that we're getting ready to go play the Egg Bowl, a chance that would have uh, – a game that would have allowed us to achieve bowl eligibility and extend the bowl streak and keep the egg here. And we had some Mississippi State fans saying, I hope Ole Miss wins the game. What? So we're cheering for Ole Miss because we don't like Joe? And say, well, you know, maybe it's better for the program long term. No, there is never a point at any time in our history where losing to Ole Miss was a good thing for Mississippi State. And so I haven't spent a lot of time with Nikki McCray-Penson. I'm sure she doesn't even know my name. And you know what? That's okay. She doesn't need to know my name. She needs to go in basketball games. And so I'm going to root for her to do really well on the recruiting trail I'm going to root for her to go get the difference makers out of this portal that she can get because at least she can sell, you know what, listen, we got playing time opportunities here. We have great fan support. We have great facilities. We have great tradition. You can come be a part of that. We're going to turn this thing around. You can be a big part of that. I think it's a pretty easy sell. Now there are going to be other people out there that are going to say, you know what, hey, you don't need to go over there. Just go look at Twitter. You know, those fans hate her. She's not going to be there a year. There's no point transferring there. We're going to be here. She's not going to be there. Those people are ready to run her out of town. I'm not saying don't be upset. I'm not saying don't be frustrated. But that's the reality of life. I remember in the late 90s when, uh, you know, I'd get reports from some high school coaches, early 2000s, you know, that we'd have message board posts that uh, people would print out and mail recruits. And some of that was plants. I mean, some of it was fans, you know, masquerading as rival school fans. And then they'd, they'd post something to make it look like, uh, you know, that, 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 you know, a kid was uh, not being fully appreciated by the fan base. And they'd mail it to the kids. You can say, Steve, that's silly. What's, it happened. <laughs> so, you know, you, you can feel whatever, however you want to about it. But, you know, it's, again, I'm not going to begrudge you your opinion. But I don't understand, uh, you know, getting out there and blasting our coach on, on social media. I just don't know how that – does that make you feel better? 
that's the thing I don't understand. It's like, you know, it's, you know, I understand like if I've got a relationship with somebody and there, you know, there's some dark clouds between us and we need to clear the air. And sometimes I might not be especially diplomatic, kind of share my point of view. And I might have to say something and I may be a little gruff in my delivery. I don't understand getting on social media and going attacking our official accounts because it's usually some student running that stuff, right? You know, it's like there's just some kid out there that's on work study that's tweeting, you know, on behalf of the university or whatever and doing updates and tweeting out, you know, stats or whatever. And then we got some of our fans out there attacking those people. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just not a good look. It's not. Now, listen, I'm no Pollyanna. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, things are going to be great. I'm not going to sit here and say Nikki McCray Pence is going to make it because I don't know. But I know that she's got next year, and I know that getting on social media, and I, listen, I deal with it every day on the message boards. There's a handful of people that are almost agenda-driven. And, and no matter what the thread says, no matter what it's about, they're going to find a way to make it about what they want to talk about. And they're going to get on there, and I, I made a decision yesterday. I'm not going to, I'm not going to read this stuff for, for six months. I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. I'll put up with it during the season. We're not playing games now. We get to this transfer stuff, and, you know, it's not going to do it. You know, just There's some people out there that, uh, that are so committed to being miserable, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like I go back to the whole decision not to play in the women's NIT. You know, in hindsight, that was absolutely the right decision. Absolutely the right decision. And so maybe, just maybe, we should give Nikki McCray-Pinson a little bit of credit for kind of knowing, the, you know, delay it a land at that moment saying you know what this is just not good for us we need to kind of get into evaluation mode we need to you know let some of these ladies get on transfer out of here the ones that don't want to be here and the ones that uh, are not going to play here and open up some scholarship spots and let's get on there and kind of have an inventory of where we are and what spots we need to fill rather than going out there and playing a couple basketball games and chances are we're going to lose if we had played in the women's NIT and we'd lost those two ball games you think anybody would be happier let me answer that for you. No. No. I'm a competitor. I want to play games. But I also understand, too, if I got to go out there and play with walk-ons and, and you know, players that don't have a lot of depth, and I got to go out there and embarrass myself in the program, I'm better off not playing. I'm better off letting somebody else, that, you know, that, that, that could field a, a team on the court and go let them play. And so at the time, I was I kind of like, really? We're not going to play? And then all of a sudden I see all these players hit the portal and I'm thinking, you know what, hey, there's some things we didn't know. We expected there to be some attrition. It ended up being a little bit more than we hoped for. But we knew there'd be some. We talked about it on the show. And so we'll kind of move forward now. But, you know, I think the best thing for all of us, and I can't sit here and tell you how to act, but I think the best thing for us is to get out here and just say, you know what, I, maybe I'm not even cautiously optimistic about next year, but I'm going to support our coach as long as she's our coach. I'm going to support our student athletes as long as they're our student athletes. I mean, some of you are so loyal to our student athletes, you still support them even after they're gone somewhere else. Saw a lot of pro-Chloe Chloe Bibby tweets the other day. That reminds me, too, uh, some people try to pin that on Nikki McRae-Penson, too. Guys, Chloe Bibby was leaving no matter who was the coach of Mississippi State. And then she, the day after Vic Schaefer announced he's going to Texas, Chloe Bibby announced she's going in the portal. And people said, oh, she's going to Texas. There was no chance of her going to Texas. That relationship had soured a long time ago. But let's romanticize it a little bit more, right? 
right? Because sometimes we think because we get a chance to go take pictures with these players and we know them and we follow them on social media and they they say such things that we think we know them, but we don't. We don't know them. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't. They say, well, you know, it seems like such a good kid. You know, it seems seems is one thing. The reality sometimes is something different. And that's, that's not exclusive to women's basketball. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that every student athlete that we've ever signed or coached and developed has been a great lady or gentleman. You know, we've had some people too. I mean, they're, they're people are people. You know, we've had some student athletes come through here that have been absolute turds. That's the truth. And But you know what? They go out there and score a few points for us, and they get in the end zone a little bit and put a ball in a basket or score a few runs, and we're like, hey, that's my guy. Well, your guy causes a lot of trouble too. You know, your guy's out there in the Cotton District, you know, raising hell every weekend. You know, your guy missed a workout one day because he was hung over from being out partying the night before. You know, your guy got into an argument in front of a bunch of kids and used a bunch of profanity. But you don't know those things. And so sometimes I'm, I'm content to let people live with their illusions. But just because we know their names and just because we see them on TV, we don't know them. We don't. We interact with them as the media, but you got to understand, too, when we deal with them, they're putting their best foot forward with us. You know, I live here. I live in Stargill. I got two girls in college at Mississippi State. I hear a lot of these stories, and some of them are very embarrassing. But also understand, college kids are going to be college kids. I can promise you there's nothing these college kids have done that I didn't do. So I'm not going to sit here in judgment and be hypocritical about it. But let's also kind of understand that our limited interaction with these student athletes, when they are representing the university at an event, you're going to see them at their best. But you don't know them. No, you absolutely don't know them. Let's go to top 10 list brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarbrough. This is our last day with Doc. And again, as I shared with you guys on uh, Monday, even though Doc Yarbrough is going to go away for a while, he may come back. Got a new sponsor for the top 10 list starting uh, Friday. I want you to give Doc an opportunity to take care of you. Many of you deal with chronic sinus pain, all this puffiness around the eyes, and you've tried to kind of take care of it yourself. Maybe you're just thinking, I'm just content to live this way because there's no solution. Well, you're probably wrong. There's probably a real opportunity for you to get treatment that not only is beneficial, but is long-lasting. Dr. Yarber is part of a great family of physicians, the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. Of course, that's ear, nose, and throat, right? Two locations to serve you. Right here in Stark, Vegas, Right there on Stark Road. Let me give you the exact address. 910 Stark Road. You should know it by now. 910 Stark Road. And then 618 Peacom Drive there in Tupelo. Do this for yourself. And, you know, if you've got kids that have these chronic sinus problems, it may not be allergies. It may be something a little more substantial. So deal with somebody who specializes in those issues. Ear, nose, and throat problems. Dr. Yarbrough is a bulldog through and through. He's been doing this forever and a day. I've, I've known Doc, I mean, going on 20 years. Dr. Yarbrough is going to take care of you and your family. Give him a call today. And again, this is our last time with Dr. Yarbrough for a while. And so I want to make sure that we, he gets his money's worth here because this is not just about me, you know, kind of, you know, you know stumping here for, for an advertiser. I'm doing this for you because many of you have kind of put these problems off for a long time. 
It's time that you bring these things to a head and get a real solution today. 662-844-6513. Again, that's 662-844-6513. Dr. Robert Yarber of the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. So uh, we, we talked about Creed here recently and how Creed is now the most listened to Spotify list, top 10 list. And so Sean Brown reached out to me, longtime listener of the show, and Sean wanted to test our theory a little bit. I, I, I've suggested that Creed is kind of a dirty pleasure for many people. You know, it's kind of a guilty pleasure, I guess is a better way to put that. It's like we listen to Creed and we love Creed, but we don't want to admit that we like Creed. Uh, I've got no problem telling you that I, I really liked Creed and I love Creed without Scott Stapp. It's a band known as Alter Bridge, one of my favorite bands of all time. I think Mark Tremonti is the best guitarist of this generation. But you guys didn't just go listen to Creed because I told you that I liked Creed. You went and listened to Creed because you like Creed. So we're going to test that theory a little bit today. And we're going to do a list that might be a little taboo in some circles. And you know what? I'm, I'm okay with this. I know Jake Mangum will approve. We're doing top 10 Nickelback songs. Yeah, you heard that right. We're doing Nickelback today. Roy does not approve, and that's okay. When Roy starts his show, he can do his own list. But we're going to uh, – Roy's my buddy. But um, So we're doing Nickelback today because I want to see how many of you guys are going to go listen to this. Now, everybody's got a favorite Nickelback song. I don't care what you tell your friends – I don't care what you post on Facebook. You have enjoyed Nickelback. And I, listen, I remember years ago when all you guys had rock stars, your ringtone on your phone back when people had ringtones. I remember all that. You're not going to fool me. I can't count how many times I'd go to lunch with guys when I worked in the mortgage business and I'd get in and everybody's listening to Nickelback. And so was there some fatigue? Yeah, absolutely there was. I don't even know how I got started. Though. I don't know why people picked Nickelback. Nickelback rocked. That's some great songs, and people hate on them. I think, you know, why do we hate on Nickelback when there's, you know, a perfectly rotten band like Green Day out there that we can talk about that have had, you know, what, what a couple of hits, and Billy Joe can't sing, can't play. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. Green Day sucks, man. And so for those of you that like Green Day over Nickelback, this is for you because Nickelback has sold a ton more records than Green Day. All right, so here we go. Here's some honorable mentions that didn't make the list. Uh, Feed the Machine, which is a title track off the most recent album, came out a few years back. If Today Was Your Last Day, which is actually a really cool song and video, probably should have made the list. Uh, one of the deep tracks that I really like a lot is Feeling Way Too Damn Good, because something's got to go wrong, because I'm feeling way too damn good. And then Side of a Bullet, and uh, I could have put this one on there. That's from all the All the Right Reasons album. So, Side of a Bullet is about Dimebag Daryl from Pantera and Damage Plan. If you don't know the story, uh, I'd encourage you to look it up. Dimebag Daryl, Daryl Abbott out of Texas, uh, creator. They used Pantera used to kind of be like an 80s hair band, and then they, they kind of transformed. That's kind of a dirty little secret that a lot of people don't know. But uh, he used to be Diamond Daryl. He became Dimebag Daryl, which is a much cooler name, but... Um, so Dime was killed on stage during a Damage Plan show. There was a former Pantera fan that uh, was crazy and had mental illness or whatever. And I'm not going to excuse the behavior. That guy got up there and killed some people. And um, that just shouldn't happen. And he had to be held accountable for that. And he's responsible for his actions. But uh, Dime was taken from us far too soon. And so Side of a Bullet is about that. 
You know, side of a bullet is about the guy jumping up on stage and shooting and killing Dimebag Daryl. And the guitar solo on this song is an outtake of a Pantera song that was never released. It was a solo that Dime had done. And so side of a bullet is believed to be one of the last things that um, Dimebag Daryl contributed to, side of a bullet. All right, so here are the top 10 Nickelback songs. You can like it, love it, but I know you're going to listen to it. Number 10, the first single, Leader of Men. The very first time I heard of them, and that's back when they were really kind of more of an alternative rock band before they kind of found their sound. Number 9, a Duty Noble favorite during the Nickel Black Sundays, Burn It to the Ground. I know that uh, Eric Sarantola is a big fan of that song, and I think Jake Mangum told me that's his favorite one. One of my favorites, and I love the opening uh, percussion on this, is Follow You Home. Love it. Love the vocals on it. It, it is an absolute rocking tune. Follow You Home. Number seven, Too Bad. And uh, that's that was an absolute banger, man. It seemed like everybody, when that song was on the radio, everybody listened to it. It's just real catchy. you got great guitar riff on it. Number six, one, it's a little bit risque, and I dig it, man. I dig it. It's called Figured You Out. Because uh, I hate the, the places that we go. I hate the people that you know. I hate the way you pass the check. Yeah, Figured You Out is a cool track. Uh, it's not one you need to listen to with the kids in the car. Number five, many of you probably have this number one. I don't because it was overplayed. But I tell you, it was an incredible song when it was released. And, you know, it was around a time, too. My dad was real sick, too. So maybe I'm a little sentimental about it. But it's a uh, Photograph. You know, look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. And uh, listen, it makes me think about my friends back home, too. Number four, uh, your favorite ringtone back in the day, Rockstar. And that's a catchy song, and, it, and it's great. It got played over and over and over again. I think that's one of the things that kind of led to some of the Nickelback fatigue. Number three, going back a couple of albums, is How You Remind Me. I think this is one of the best songs by far. Number two for me, and I think it's the best of the ballads, is Far Away. But the number one Nickelback song to me is Someday. How the hell do we wind up like this? Love that song. And listen, I, I'm, I'm unashamed in my admission that I thought Nickelback was great. And they're, they're still, you know, when, they're, when their tours are allowed, they're still packing out arenas. And so it's like I wonder, if everybody hates Nickelback, who's going to these shows? Who's still buying these records? Maybe you're not ready to wear the shirt, but people are going to the shows. And then uh, one of the best videos that made the rounds a couple years ago was uh, Nickelback did a Metallica medley live at some big festival, and people absolutely lost their minds. And so, uh, so Sean, there you go. We're going to test your theory and we're going to see where Nickelback ends up and see if it creeps into the top 10 of uh, Roy's most listened to Spotify list. So there you go, top 10 Nickelback. Roy, again, I, I will again say for the record, Roy was against this list. He was. And he will be a soldier and put it up for you guys because he's committed to the show. But when I first said that we're going to do this, Roy's like, Roy sent the vomit emoji. That's how much he was. But I think, I think Roy, too, has been brainwashed by many of you. You know, it's like for a while there, all we could ever talk about on Facebook is bacon and zombies and how much we didn't like Nickelback. It's weird. 
it's weird how that all worked out. I guess that's when The Walking Dead first came out, and uh, I don't know what the bacon thing was all about. But uh, Nickelback, everybody had a favorite Nickelback song. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you're willing to admit. You be honest with yourself. There was a time in your life that you loved Nickelback. Maybe take a trip down memory lane today and enjoy some of these tunes. Campus Bookmart, I was there on Saturday, and I, I love going in there, man. It's like every time I go in there, it's like going into Cheers. You know, everybody's so happy to see me. But it's not just restricted to me. It's not just because of the fact that uh, they sell my books, and it's not, you know, I do all these book signings there. They were doing that for me, you know, when I was just a regular Bulldog fan going in there and, and buying stuff, man. I mean, they, they've always treated me great. They are like family to me now. And uh, I travel to trade shows with them and sign books for them, and uh, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to help all of our local vendors, but Campus Bookmart has been with me a long time. And um, so if you are in town, go by and see Stand and Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. She gets lovelier by the day. You'll be glad you did. A lot of new merch in there, too. And uh, we picked up a bunch of uh, nickel black Sunday jerseys on Saturday. Had to outfit my boys before they came to Duty Noble Field. And so we got those jerseys, and uh, I got one, too. And I wore it yesterday to show my solidarity, or on Monday, excuse me, to show my solidarity with our baseball team, even though we weren't playing a game. Because I'm still true maroon, or true black, in that case. But if you can't make it to town, you can get your nickel black jersey online by going to campusbookmart.net. And by being a lawyer boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Go check it out today. Stand a man and the crew will take care of you. They'll get that stuff turned around quick, too. That's one of the things I had so many people when we first started doing this. They said, you know, see, I've never even been in Campus Bookmart until you start talking about them. And then people would say, you know, I've never even ordered there before, but, like, I ordered one day and, like, I had it two days later. And in some cases, they had it the next day. I mean, these people know how to do business. So, again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. All right, let's talk a little bit about baseball now. We got Kentucky coming in on Thursday. Wildcats now 18 and 4 and 5 and 1 in league play. They took care of Bellarmine. Man, it seems like Bellarmine has played everybody we have this year. Bellarmine uh, makes it a ball game. Kentucky wins the game 4 to 3. And uh, it's kind of crazy. Bellarmine 8, 8 and 14 on the year, but man, they're going to be battle tested in their league. I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, Bellarmine actually made it a ball game. It was 4 3 in the seventh. They, they scratch a run across there in the seventh and actually led at one point uh, one nothing. Kentucky gets right back to them. But, um, you know, hey, good on Bellarmine for getting out there and making a game of this thing for sure and uh, maybe giving Kentucky a bit of a scare. So let's kind of take a look here. Let me run down the schedule here for you real quick just so you guys kind of understand what's happened here. You know, I, I'm not going to do every game. You know, they, they had that first series with Carolina canceled. Uh, then they, uh, they, they take Miami of Ohio and then they take you know, three from Milwaukee, get Eastern Kentucky, Evansville, take a one out of three against Ball State, take a midweek game from Western Kentucky. And this is when they kind of started figuring some things out. They, they sweep Georgia State when Georgia State was really playing well. They lose a midweek game to Murray State, take two out of three from Mizzou, and then last week they beat Butler and then swept Auburn at Auburn. Uh, Butch Thompson, those guys really having some tough times on the Plains. But Kentucky, listen, they're playing well. And listen, I'm a Nick Mingion fan, and it's so funny. I've heard people say, you know what, you either love Nick or you hate him. Well, I love him, and, I, and he was so great to me when he was here. 
and uh and that's when you know Ani was a kid just kind of growing up and uh coming to camps and stuff and uh Nick always remembered his name and when I would meet Nick just socially or whatever I'd be out and the very first question he'd ask me is hey how's Ani doing and he didn't owe that to me that's just kind of who he is and Nick has an amazing story I guess many of you people don't realize this but uh you know when Nick was the volunteer assistant coach at Kentucky he wanted it so bad he lived in his car and then eventually John let him stay in the in the uh in the facility you know because he would get cold out there in those uh you know those winter nights or whatever but uh Nick Mangione is a guy that has come up the hard way and he has a great story and it's crazy to think that he's now the head coach at Kentucky after he used to, to sleep in the locker room I got a lot of respect for Nick Mangione this is a guy that knows the short game this is a guy that's going to drill these guys out he's not going to accept anything less than uh you know, the best out of his guys. And people remember, too, there are a lot of people that suggested when uh, Andy Canizzaro was uh, resigned here at Mississippi State that Nick Mangione was going to be the guy. A lot of people say, well, you know, John, let's go hire Nick. Probably could have, but we didn't. And I remember how unfair it was that, uh, you know, the day that uh, we had to go play Jackson State, the first day without Andy Canizzaro, that uh, Nick and them had a midweek game, and then the very first question he's asking post game is about the Mississippi State job. I mean, your goodness, guys trying to go, you know, put his team on the field and trying to get things together. And there were a lot of people, listen, it's a reasonable question to ask, but uh, I didn't think a lot of that was fair to Nick, to be honest with you. And it wasn't our media that was doing it. It was just other people that were – kind of being a little bit lazy that didn't have true knowledge of the search and said, well, that's just, that just makes sense. And I get the connection there, but, um, you know, Nick's, you know, got his own program now and uh, wish him the best. But let's look at some of these statistics here uh, from Kentucky, kind of looking at this. And it's, it's impressive. I mean, listen, these guys have been hot. Now, the quality of competition has not been outstanding. You know, Auburn, of course, winless in the SEC. Mizzou has one win, and that was the Sunday game over Kentucky. So they haven't exactly played the best of competition. They have beaten the last place team in the West and last place team in the East. Uh, Austin Schultz is a guy that kind of stirs the drink for them. Junior infielder uh, hitting 352. On base percentage of 917. That's absolutely getting it done there. Eight doubles, a uh, couple triples, eight RBI. It's a guy that gets out and makes things happen for him. Doesn't, doesn't strike out a whole lot, but uh, enough that you could think you could get him on a swing and miss. Uh, Trey, Trey Harmon is a guy that feels like he's been there forever. He's from Somerset, Kentucky, plays first base for them, is a power guy, is a corner infielder. He's got a couple of bombs this year. This is an RBI guy for them. they got 10 RBI. Ryan Ritter is another guy hitting 324 for them. Ryan Ritter, another infielder, 6'2", 190 out of Tinley Park, Illinois. Uh, just a sophomore. But another guy that's doing a great job for them. Started off 22 games, uh, 23 hits, got a double, triple home run, uh, six ribbies. But he's one of those guys, too, you know, defensively, a guy that's not going to give you a whole lot. And, and let me make sure you guys get ready for this, too, because I don't know that anybody else is going to point this out to you. Kentucky is going to run the bases. That's kind of who Nick Mangione is. He recruits that skill set. He is a guy that likes his guys to be irritants on the base. He likes to kind of get in heads, and it works. Kentucky on the year, 33 of 33 in stolen base attempts. They have not been caught stealing once. Austin Schultz, the primary thief, there with a dozen, 
And then you get down a little bit deeper, Cam Hill, 7 of 7. But as a team, 33 of 33. So it's going to be a real challenge there for uh, for Logan Tanner. The Bulldog catchers are going to have to do a good job keeping those guys close. And, of course, the Bulldog pitchers are going to have to do what they can to kind of keep uh, those leads from getting a little bit elongated. But you best believe Nick Mingeon himself has watched film of all of our pitchers to kind of get an idea of what we do going the first. What's our move? What what are some of the tells that we have? You can you better believe he has broken this thing down. Now looking at their uh, their pitching staff, I guess before we move on here, biggest home run hitter for them, TJ Collette. Number five, TJ Collette, uh, grad student from Terre Haute, Indiana, has come in, done a good job for them. Uh, eight bombs, twenty seven RBIs. And they got a handful of guys that can swing it. They got 25 home runs that are not nearly as prolific as say LSU or Arkansas, but their team, their team that can launch the ball a little bit. So you got to be careful. Got to get under some bad angles and kind of have them beat the ball on the ground. But the power numbers are pretty evenly distributed. You know, you got a handful of guys that have home runs, and uh, these are guys too. Again, you make mistakes, they're going to make you pay for them. Let's look at pitching here. So uh, a lot of guys have pitched for them, for sure. Like a lot of people, you know, in non-conference, they're going to get out and go do some things and make some things happen. Uh, Ryan Hagenow, and Ryan, I'm sorry if I misspell or I mispronounced that, out of Knoxville, Tennessee, you kind of ask yourself, how does this guy go to Kentucky and not Knoxville? But uh, he has primarily been, you know, a midweek guy for them. So I doubt we see him. But uh, outstanding five starts for them with a 1-0 record and an ERA of one. I'm if we're doing a good job for them. Cole Stoop is a guy that uh, has been around a little bit, sophomore out of Milton, Georgia, and uh, has pitched them on SEC weekends. So I'm sure we will see him. He is a 6'4", 205-pound right-hander with a 1.47 ERA, 3-0 record, uh, 30 innings pitched, has allowed almost a hit per inning and strikes out about one per inning as well. Doesn't walk a lot either. 31 Ks against just the four bases on balls. And so uh, that's what's going to happen. We talk about Nick Mangione. They're not a team that's going to beat themselves. You're going to have to go out there and and beat those guys. Uh, Mason Hazelwood is a left-hander out of uh, Mercer County High School there in Kentucky. He's another guy that uh, has kind of worked as an opener. He goes three three innings last weekend against Auburn and went five the weekend before against Missouri, but uh, a left-hander. And we actually hit left-handers pretty well, but this is a guy that we should expect to see um, as well. And so kind of working through this thing, Zach Lee is another that uh, right-handed pitcher from Effingham, Illinois, that is also pitched on SEC weekends. None of these guys are going very deep, four and two-thirds against Mizzou and five innings against uh, Auburn, but that's pretty much what we're doing too, right? And a lot of people are just trying to get through the order a couple times and get to the bullpen. That's been the issue with Kentucky, though. The bullpen has kind of been a, a bit shaky at times, and uh, if they had a true closer, they would have been able to sweep Missouri. So uh, those are the names I think you should prepare for. Uh, there's not a lot of guys on here that have gaudy numbers that you look at them and say, man, these guys are just absolutely awful. You know, the one guy that really has, uh, you know, an ERA that's just blown up is uh, Hunter Rigsby. But, uh, you know, he's a right-handed pitching relief pitcher that has uh, only pitched one and two-thirds of an inning on the year. So, you know, you, you have a couple of uh, bad hitters there. Next thing you know, your numbers get a little bit blown out of uh, out of shape. But, uh, you know, Zach Kamen, I think I'm pronouncing that name correctly, a grad student from Illinois, 
has uh, been a middle reliever for them and pitched a couple of innings against Missouri, allowed one hit on one run and then one hit and two runs against Auburn. Uh, his numbers are elevated just a little bit with a 7.94 ERA, but he hadn't pitched a whole lot. So a lot of that is just, you know, it's a matter of math rather than magic. But uh, the guys that have primarily been the guys to eat up innings is, you know, Cole Stoop, Mason Hazelwood, uh, Zach Lee, uh, and a couple more. You know, but primarily we kind of know who those guys are going to be. And uh, based on my research and talking to people that have watched Kentucky, uh, the, the pitching is good. It's not great. It's not elite. It's probably not what we have seen uh, the first three weekends of SEC play. Now, the problem that I have with all of that is this, is um, I have such high esteem for Mississippi State baseball. You know, I grew up with uh, Will Clark and Rafael Palmero rocking everybody's ace. You know what I'm saying? We weren't skidded. We didn't care. I remember 89, 90, you know, it you know, didn't matter. Uh, you could try Ben McDonald out there, and we'd hit a walk-off bomb to beat him. You know, those are the things that I look at, and I say, okay, when did we get to this point that we we had to start hoping that somebody didn't have great pitching? And listen, I understand you know, great pitching beats great hitting. I understand that. That's part of the deal. But I, I don't want to have to hold my breath every weekend and say, well, you know, their pitching's not great, so we should win. Uh, I expect us to win all the time. And that's where I think Jay Gotra and Chris Lamont have to figure this thing out. You know, yeah, we've seen some great arms, but you know what? Historically, we have rocked some great arms. I understand sometimes baseball is a game of attrition. You know, you got to wait a guy out, just kind of bide your time and get in the bullpen and win the game. I understand baseball. I understand that. But I also understand, too, that there were times when pitchers were scared to face Mississippi State. So, you know what? We can't go in there and make a mistake to this guy. Because if this guy gets on base and the guy behind him is going to hit a home run, we can't go out there and let Pete Young get out there and hit with men on base because we know Pete Young's going to kill us. You know, we can't go out there and let Tracy Eccles lead off an inning and get on base because Eccles is going to go steal the bag and he's going to get in our pitcher's head. I mean, you know, so it's like I don't want to think we ever have to lower the hurdles when it comes to Mississippi State baseball. I don't think, you know, based on the numbers, you look at Kentucky and say, you know what, hey, this, this team looks pretty good. I think based on the level of competition they played, some of this is kind of propped up by the lack of competition. But we can't afford to go into this thing overlooking them or disrespecting them because they're going to come in here with a lot of confidence. I am sure right now Mingeon is in those kids' heads saying, guys, we're going to go down there and win the series. And they're believing. I'm sure they are. They're 18 and four. They're five and one in the league, and I'm sure he's telling them, "Hey guys, you know what? We're one bad inning away from being undefeated in the SEC and being number one, being ahead of Vanderbilt, being tied for first place in the SEC after two weekends." And so they're going to come in here ready to play. And for all of you that were upset about the Tulane dugout, let me tell you, Kentucky is going to be Tulane on steroids when it comes to dugout play. They're going to hang on every pitch because they understand. And listen, if you, let's be brutally honest with one another here. We're family, right? Outside of a couple of guys, do we look mentally tough on the mound? You know, Tulane got to us a little bit. They did, and we reacted. You know, we kind of flexed on them, right? And then, they, you know, Arkansas gets in our heads a little bit. You know, well, you know, they're going to come down here looking to institute some mental warfare against us. And so, 
every time you throw a ball, they're all going to holler. Whenever they get to make a play, they're going to holler. And so we need a lot of Bulldog fans in the crowd. They're going to holler because we've got to be able to drown that out. And I thought one of the things last weekend, unlike Tanner Allen, I didn't think our, our crowd stayed engaged as much as we should have. And I understand it's frustrating. But one of the things at Duty Noble Field that we have is when, when things are going our way, we get really loud. When things aren't going our way, sometimes we kind of sit on our hands or we're waiting for something to happen. Sometimes the dude effect has to be a part of that. we got to get going. we got to get out there when a pitcher is on the ropes. We need to help knock him off, knock him off the, the ropes and onto the mat. That's part of the deal. That's part of home field advantage. And so I hope this weekend, since we are opening some things back up, and listen, it's not it's, – people need to be understanding there's going to be more tickets available than there has been all year long. And you're going to be able to walk around out in the outfield. You're not going to be cordoned off from any of that stuff. And so, again, as we talked about a few weeks back, when Tate opened this thing up, you're going to see it kind of roll out in phases. You know, each week it's going to get a little bit better. Eastern Michigan, we had a bunch more tickets available. We're on the road the next weekend. We come back for Arkansas. We got more tickets available. It's going to be now, so now all of a sudden we get to Kentucky. We got more tickets available. And so, we're kind of graduated and trending back, and I know that's not enough for everybody, but I think this weekend, you know, your friends being able to leave the grandstand and come visit you in Left Field Lounge, is, it, that's, that's big. That's big. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that just aren't coming. There are a lot of people that buy tickets saying, you know what, I want to be able to go see baseball Super Bowl our weekend, and I want to be able to go to the regional, and maybe I get over there for once or twice. A lot, of, a lot of out-of-state season ticket holders, and we're very grateful for them. And many of them do a good job making sure that their tickets end up in the hands of Bulldogs that want to come to a ball game rather than on StubHub. And there's only so much you can do to curtail some of that. And I know there's some people out there that buy tickets, and that's exactly what they want to do. They want to buy tickets and then be able to, to overcharge their Bulldog brothers and sisters for tickets. And I, I just think it's shameful. I don't think we should ever profit off each other in that respect. And I know some people will steal my tickets. I'll do what I want to. You know, I, I get it. But there has been a time in your life when you didn't have tickets and you wanted tickets and you, you were doing what you can to find them. And if somebody tried to price gouge you and gig you and get, you know, get more money from you, uh, you wouldn't have appreciated it. And so let's not sit here and say we're family when I'm going to charge you $85 for a general admission ticket. Speaking of a square deal, let's talk about Portico. Make Portico your next move. Many of you have considered moving to Starkville permanently. I think you should. I love it here. I do. I, I, I'm here from now on. You know, I'm just, I'm not looking to go anywhere. I'm happy here. I'm happy doing what we do. I love the, the uh, energy in town. Love when you guys come visit. But uh, listen, you can come be a part of this too. And, and maybe it's a part-time thing for you too. Maybe you're like, you know what, Steve, I, I'm not ready to make the move, but I want to get a place there and I'll be up there for all the ball game weekends. And maybe eventually I'll retire there. Well, Portico might be the perfect place for you. So when you come off 82 onto 12, that very first ride is Pat Station Road. You get to the four-way stop, it becomes Garrett Road. It's right here behind the Cryford Jeep dealership. You're going to be very happy there. It's just over a mile from campus. You could run there if you wanted to. Driving's a lot easier, but you could run on campus if you wanted to. So this is going to be a pretty sizable development. And uh, phase one, there's only a few houses left. And so if you're looking to move to Starkville, if you're in the housing market now, now is the time to maybe reach out to Brooks to kind of get some information. 
And maybe, you know what, if you're planning to make a move this summer when the kids get out of school, it's never too early to start doing your due diligence. Uh, House is going to range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. Maybe it's an investment property for you. Maybe it's a second home for you. Maybe it's your primary residence. Portico is going to have what you need. Give Brooks a call today. He might even have uh, some information on Pat McMahon he'll share with you some great stories you may not even have to ask him brooks loves talking baseball brooks phone number is 601-416-8075 again that's 601-416-8075 brooks a friend of mine he'll be a friend of you and and introduce you to a lot of new friends in starkville by being one of the new stark villains so go check them out today let's talk a little recruiting before we get out the door we have talked at length about how deep the in-state class is for football. And I contend to you that I believe this year is going to be everything many people tried to tell you 2019 was. I do think there are some headline players in 2019, not a lot of depth, a lot of depth this year. Also some real headliners on defense. I think the the best of this state is on defense. you got Branson Robinson at running back, one of the top running backs in the country from Germantown on offense. feel really good about him. For sure. But on the defensive side of the football, I think, you know, Xavier Harris, his teammate, I think is a guy that has NFL aspirations, and I think he's a guy that has that same kind of potential. State's right there in the favorites with him. I feel good about how things are are trending with him, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the summer with him. I know Alabama's on him a little bit too, uh, so we'll kind of watch that develop. Jaheim Otis is going to be here for the uh, spring game. I understand Harris is going to be here as well. Uh, Jaheim Otis is a guy a lot of people expected him to go to LSU. Uh, I don't think that's quite as clear-cut as some people would, would, would lead you to believe. I know that Ole Miss has worked hard behind the scenes there to try to get into that. I think ultimately it boils down to LSU, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. I don't ever count out Tony Hughes for a kid, though. Uh, Tony's working hard in that deal. Tony has some connections there. Uh, Jaheim also has a big Mississippi State fan in his family that uh, is well aware of State's, you know, defensive line uh, production the last several years and the amount of guys that they've put into the National Football League. And when you look at, uh, you know, the school up the road, when's the last time they put a defensive lineman in the league that stayed? I mean, you had Kim, Kim Dietschy went in there but uh, didn't even get the second contract. You know, and you got Chris Jones and Fletcher Cox and those guys out there playing for a King's Ransom. So – Jaheim Otis, well aware of that, work to do there, State still in the mix with him. Uh, Travion Williams out of Crystal Springs will also be at the spring game. He is listed as a linebacker, but he is going to be a defensive lineman. Kind of depends on how he grows, and I think with his quickness, he'll be a real asset to whoever gets uh, involved there. Auburn is probably the biggest threat there. I know some Ole Miss people have suggested that they are. I know that they believe they have a connection down there. State has some as well. But I'm told that Auburn is actually the team that um, State is chasing at the moment. Uh, The kid has been good. He's still in contact with Mississippi State on a regular basis, and so there's no need to rush the the process with him. But I do think he is a guy that ends up on the defensive line. I don't think there's any question about that. R.J. Moss is a guy out of Biloxi. There was some Ole Miss confidence early, and I didn't know where it was coming from. It always concerns you a little bit, too. Like when when you don't have a good read on it, and then, you know, the Ole Miss folks are saying, hey, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Uh, well, it hadn't happened. And um, you know, everything that I have heard from people that I've known for years down there, 
tell me Mississippi State's in a great spot, and that State is out recruiting everybody for that kid. Uh, currently rated a four-star by 247 Sports. He'll also be at the spring spring game. I don't know a time frame for a decision for him, but I do believe that an early decision favors Mississippi State. Now, he is a Louisiana native, so should LSU get involved, uh, that could be a problem. He played at Bell Chase High School uh, for a couple of years before making a move to Biloxi. And as soon as he got to Biloxi, I started hearing from some of the guys on staff at Biloxi saying, hey, we got a transfer up here. It's legit. And uh, then they tell me, he has been the hardest worker this offseason, and that's really encouraging to hear. When you have a guy that is your best player that is kind of setting the pace in the offseason conditioning stuff and kind of preparing for spring football, uh, I don't like those guys that get senioritis because I think those guys, that lingers over into their college career. I like to see a guy that sprints through the finish line as a high school player. No matter how the season turns out, I think when their attitude and effort is really good as seniors – I think those guys had the potential to play earlier in their careers. I don't, I don't want those people that feel like they've already made it. And then that happens a lot, too. You get a lot of guys, well, I've already got my scholarship. I know where I'm going. And so they kind of mail it in during their senior year. You know, I, I think every senior should try to go out there and, and have their best season of their career and not feel like, well, I've already done everything I needed to do. I'm going to the SEC. Uh, no, you can get dropped, too. And that happened last year for a couple of guys that Mississippi State was recruiting. And so – it's important, I think, to hear things like R.J. Moss is really working hard and doing a great job uh, kind of moving forward. Uh, and I really like the linebackers in Mississippi. Not a ton of them, but I think State's got a good chance to get both of the big bona fide guys. You know, Khalid Moore already committed to Mississippi State. And then Stone Blanton, a guy that grew up a Bulldog fan, I think he's going to continue to enjoy the process. But uh, I think ultimately he will be a Bulldog. And I've been told that, you know, one of the things that Zach Arnett and others have told him is that, you know what, Stone, we need you to go ahead and get in the class and help us recruit because you're a guy that has some currency uh, with the rest of the class around the state. You've got credibility within the state. We need you to kind of help lead this. And he wants to be the leader of our defense, and that's kind of how he's being recruited is to come in here and kind of be that next guy, be that captain, be that next Errol Thompson type guy, guy that makes all the checks and the calls and, gets everybody lined up right he's certainly capable of doing that I understand Stone too had uh, dislocated a shoulder diving back in the first or something like that or diving making a diving catch in baseball and so his baseball season's over and so you, you certainly hate that uh, defensive back wise you know I, I like the fact that uh, you got John Terrius Elam already committed and uh, Trent Singleton appears to be a bulldog lean I think that'll happen next month and uh, then outside of that you know, you kind of can kind of piecemeal this thing together. But I think the great thing is, is as great as the defensive class is in the state of Mississippi, Mississippi State is is in the favorites or the leader for most of those guys. And that's really, really exciting. I don't think State has much of a chance on the offensive side with Brandon, Branson Robinson. But when you look at these difference makers on the defensive side, I, I would say you've got the, the longest to go with Otis right now. And that's a guy whose recruitment will come into focus a little bit later. You know, he's a guy that's got some work to do. But I think when you begin to think about Harris, you think about R.J. Moss, and, of course, State's right there in the middle of it with Trevion Williams, you know, State is going to be able to fill most of their needs on the defensive side of the football right here in the state of Mississippi. And those kids typically don't transfer, right? Those guys, it takes – there's a lot of pride for them to represent the home state. And I think once this ball really gets rolling here, and maybe it happens after a spring game, I'm not exactly sure. But once we start seeing the dominoes fall in state, I believe they're going to fall maroon and white. 
If you haven't done so, let me encourage you to go to alphadogsthebook.com and you can get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, you should. You got to be repping the Stark Villain Church on Sundays at Dirty Noble Field. And you can go to starkvillains.com and you can get those black and white shirts. You can get maroon and white. There's a lot of options to choose from. Go check them out today, starkvillains.com. I'll be back on Friday to recap the Thursday night game against Kentucky and preview what what is to come Friday and Saturday. And hopefully we'll have some more recruiting news, some things I'm kind of waiting to hear back on or some things I'm excited about, just not quite ready to make the call on it just yet. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.